Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Tour is underway. He started off in Las Vegas before making a slight detour to western New York. He'll be in Foxborough today while in Las Vegas. Peter caught up with new Raiders receiver Devontae Adams. You can watch the full interview on our new NFL on NBC YouTube page. Here is part of their conversation. When you went to the Packers, he went to the Raiders. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think you would play on a team with Derek Carr? I mean, you never know, man. Once, once you, once you kind of go separate ways like that, you never really think that it's it's going to happen. You, you know, obviously know, um, you know, at some point it, it possibly can happen. But a lot of things kind of got to go right. Got to, you know, they had Amari Cooper here for a while too, as as well. So, you know, at that point, I'm thinking, you know, it's not it's not likely. But then things shift on, and then you know, time goes by, and then. You see opportunity, and then you uh, you know you execute like how we did now, and make it a reality. Do you think you're here more because you couldn't reach a financial agreement with the Packers, or more because you really wanted to be in Las Vegas? Yeah, I mean, it was it's a, a lot went into it. Obviously, it's a, it, I don't have to sit here with you until until tomorrow talking about <laughs> everything, but. Um, you know, it was, it was mainly um, what I felt was best for myself, my career, and my family, being here, you know, closer to, to home, being able to have my family have an opportunity to come and see me play more. Being in Green Bay, it's not the easiest place to get to. It's, you know, my grandma had never been and in, in seen me play. Um, Your grandmother never was in Lambeau Field? Never been in Lambeau Field. So oh. to be able to be closer to home and, and obviously playing with one of my, you know, great friends since, you know, for 10 years plus, um, you know, obviously that was a big factor for me. What would you say is the biggest difference between catching a football from Aaron Rodgers and catching a football from Derek? That's probably the the most frequently asked question, and I never have a great answer for it. Um, you know, they're both great quarterbacks, and they they both can can put the ball wherever they pretty much want to. So um, there's a lot of similarities, but you know, going from anytime you change quarterbacks, it's going to be an adjustment. So getting back on the on the same page with Derek is what I'm what I'm interested in now. I thought the answer was very telling when Peter asked about the financial side of it and how much of that went into it. And Devontae Adams said, you know, that's a complicated issue and we could talk about it until tomorrow. Because I continue to believe that the Packers had put on the table at the end of last season yeah. what they ultimately put on the table after it was too damn late for it yeah. to make a difference. Right. He would have taken it. Yeah, I hear you there, Mike. I think there's a lot of people around the league that think that for sure. You know, yes, you know, you get out in front of it. They didn't do that. I don't know why. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they left the door open for a guy to now, oh, wait, my best friend is calling Oh, wait, they got a new head coach. Oh, wait, damn, they're going to play me a boatload of money, and I can be closer to home. 
And, you know, it's still a great offense and all of that as well to where, oh, wait, Green Bay will pay me a million or two a year more? I don't know. Okay, great. Does that outweigh all the other things of playing with your best friend, being close to home, grandma can see you and all that? No, it didn't. And that's, you know, yes, it it looks like Green Bay dropped the ball in that department for sure. And when you've got all these personal factors that are drawing Devontae Adams in the direction of Las Vegas anyway, the idea that the Packers show up so late in the game only doing what they should have done months earlier when they see that the guy is thinking about leaving, I could see why his response would be, I gave you every chance. This isn't something that just fell out of the sky. You had every chance. And the idea that I'm only getting your attention when I've already begun to make the emotional connection to my next destination, sorry, it's too late. I've already left up here yeah yeah I, I think that's kind of what happened I do and I think then when you couple that on to again as we've discussed many times in the spring the Aaron Rodgers situation and what's going to happen there is he going to play a year more or two years more I don't know uh, I think that 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 seals the deal you know with Derek Carr and everything he's got there I think he goes man as long as we don't just totally you know crap down the bed or crap down our leg here we're going to be here for a significant amount of time and be able to build something and, and make a run that way. And I think that's what you know, was appealing to him. He's in a great offense that fits him, that really under, or knows how to utilize route runners like a Devontae Adams. So uh, I expect him to have a really good year and, and be on the same page with Derek Carr. We're barely an hour in after our hiatus and crap down the bed. That's a first. We've been doing this five <laughs> years together. Crapping down the bed. I'm not quite sure how that would work. I definitely am sure that I don't want to know how it would work. Um, let, let me just move on. <laughs> let me just move on before I make any references to any high-profile trials that may have happened earlier this year. Okay. So Devontae Adams on Twitter made a comment recently about going from one Hall of Famer to another Hall of Famer. And, you know, that implies a lot. And look, Derek Carr, hey, he can't, it's not like he can block me again on Twitter. He still has me blocked on Twitter. So you can't, like, un- I guess you could unblock me and reblock me just because it'll feel good. It, it's too early to make any Hall of Fame prognostications about Derek Carr. That got a lot of people's attention, Chris. So Devontae Adams was asked by reporters yesterday about his Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer remark. Let me say this, just so this can be everywhere as well. Um, and being a rapper is is very vital. I say one of the, you got to have the bars, obviously. You know you got to have the bars. You got to have, the lines got to be there. But a very, very vital and critical piece of being a rapper is the delivery, right? I wasn't a great rapper the other day. What I'm not going to do is take away from that statement because why, why, why is Derek not a, a Hall of Famer, you know? But what I, what I meant, I left one key word out of there because that's not exactly what I meant, but I do think that Derek's career is Hall of Fame worthy, and, and why not? I mean, you know, people can, can say that about this guy or that guy. What I would say is, does he have the, the MVPs right now? You know, no. Does he, has he won a Super Bowl? Not yet. You know, that's obviously what we're, what we're chasing. But what I meant to say was, even if you go – Hall of, if you go even Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, it's an adjustment. You know, I mean, like, even if it is Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, there's going to be an adjustment. I wasn't saying Hall of Famer Aaron to Hall of Famer Derek. So I'm not retracting my statement at all. <laughs> like I said, I, Derek's career proves to, honestly, you look at the numbers that he's had and, you know, what he's had to work with and the, the adversity that he's had, uh, you know, in Oakland and coming to Vegas and the type of stuff that's been going on here in the past, which, you know, hopefully we're putting all that stuff to bed. But um, that, uh, yeah, I didn't deliver that message the way that I had in my head. So later when I saw it written out, it kind of made my stomach drop a little bit because I was like, oh, God, here we go, man. I can't wait for people to blow this up. They take everything I say, and we're the only team in camp right now. And look, it's a fair explanation. And there are many chapters left in the book that will be Derek Carr's career. And with Devontae Adams, maybe they can reach a level of achievement. He's going to have to win at least one Super Bowl. As you very well know, Chris, one Super Bowl doesn't get you in to the Hall of Fame. Uh, And even two is not a lock. So uh, they got to win some games, and they got to win a championship, and they got to 
they got to compete at the highest possible levels, and Devontae Adams is there to help. I don't have a problem with what he said. I know. I don't have a problem with it at all. Right. A- after, after hearing the protracted efforts of Tyreek Hill to talk up to a tongue of Iloa, uh-oh, 807, first two and on activation. But after hearing that over and over again, what Devontae Adams said is nothing. I, I, I got no problem with what he said. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe he came out a little strong there with that comment, but he believes in Derek Carr. It's always hard for players when they go from team to team that way. He wants to show love to the new guy, you know, wants to make the new guy feel like, hey, damn, I like playing with you too. I see your talent and all that. So, yeah, maybe he was a little, you know, overdid it. Yeah, Derek Carr, no, for my money right now, has not done anything to be in the Hall of Fame. No, no way. He's done. He's been really good. He's definitely one of the better quarterbacks in football. He's been one of the best things about that football team. But they he just played in his first playoff game. All right? And it was good. It wasn't great. He gave them a chance. They had a chance to win at the end. But let's, you know, he's not there yet. And I think what, what made it crazy, too, is you, know, you say that and it's like, oh, okay, Derek Carr's good. And, hey, I mean, he, he does have the type of talent and potential to get to the Hall of Fame. But like you said, he's got some work to do. But I think the problem where it blows up on social media is you say something like that compared to a guy that's you know, Rodgers is is in the Hall of Fame of Hall of Fames. I mean, it, even out of the you take the to me you take the special quarterbacks. I mean, he's he's in a in a special category in that way. So that's where I think it probably you know blew some people's brains up there a little bit or brain blow emoji that way uh, when people heard it. And that's the way it works, and he's sufficiently self-aware to understand it, and he's not getting mad at anybody for reacting the way they did. He understands, and it wasn't taken out of context. He didn't say that. He said what he said. The quote was isolated. It wasn't contradictory to the other things he was saying. But when you isolate that quote, it is going to make people say, wow, and he knew that it was coming, and he owned it, and he explained it very well. Look, he's got the history with Derek Carr at Fresno State. They've wanted to do this for years. They put extra pressure on themselves the more they talk about it, and that's okay. I I think that it's going to work, and I think if they were in any other division than the AFC West, I'd have them not just penciled in, but I'd have them written in ink for a playoff spot. Their biggest challenge is the fact that they are assigned to the same quartet of teams that includes the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos. Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's brutal. The AFC in general is brutal. The AFC West is brutal. That's tough. Well, I don't doubt that Derek Carr and DeMonte Adams aren't going to have a good year statistically and that they're going to be a team that's going to be in that playoff conversation. I just, you know, my big question is, you know, it, what they were last year and the team they've been is schematically different than the team they are now with Josh McDaniels as the head coach OC and Patrick Graham as the defensive coordinator. Uh, and that, that, to me, is the other part of this. So I think, hey, those two, I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about some of the other pieces. Are they going to fit the scheme and be able to play the style that McDaniels and Graham want to play that makes sense that way, too? That's the, that's the part I want to see. That, and then, like you said, in the division that's brutal, uh, I don't care who you are and how good your team is. You can't just think you're going to come out of there and be the Kings, not in that AFC West right now. By the way, I mentioned when we first came on the air 70 minutes ago that I have gotten email after email after email asking when we were going to come back. I just did a quick check. Somebody has asked me while the show was on when we're coming back. My response, currently. Say, yeah. So, Say, hey, stupid, we are back. Stupid little emailer. <laughs> we, we are on TV are, now. <laughs> we are back. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We're actually a little ahead of schedule. I'm always checking Whoa. the time. And when the target is to shut up, I have no idea. But it gives us more time to talk about other things, including the new trend that is sweeping the National Football League. The ability to have two helmets. Oh, my gosh. And more and more teams are going to have two helmets. We'll talk about that when PFD Live continues right after this. It's second helmet season for the National Football League. On Sunday alone, two teams unveiled their alternate helmets. And for the Chicago Bears, it is orange helmet to go with orange jersey. Don't stare directly into it or you will burn your retinas. They will wear those uniforms twice this year, once at home against Washington, once on the road against Dallas. And then the Cardinals. 
these both came out of the blue with no advance notice. I know. Crazy. This Cardinals helmet. I know that the black helmets, oh, the black helmet, black. I think the Cardinals helmet is badass, especially because the base Cardinals helmet never did anything for me. That black helmet, when you get up close, it's like a red sparkle into the black color, and they've done something with the logo. And it's, it's, look at the, see the red? You got a little yeah. glimpse of the red there. Yeah. That is awesome. That's my favorite. Not throwback, because we've got a combination of some teams with throwbacks and some teams with, let's just go make up a new helmet. For the teams that just went out and made up a new helmet, that's my favorite one. Yeah, okay, that's that's a good way to say it. I, it, it is really cool. It is. I, that, you don't, like, you didn't notice the red until I saw, you know, the official video yesterday. I saw a picture, I think, when it originally came out. And then watch the video yesterday and, like, notice that speckle of red that you're talking about. To me, pretty damn special. And it really is. I'm so happy the NFL is doing it. I think that's awesome. All right. So out of the new ones, I think that and the Bengals white helmet are the ones I look at yes. to go, ooh, wow, I like that. And then don't get me wrong. I like the Saints and the black that they have, the Panthers and all that. But, damn, this one right here just continues the Joe Burrow bangle coolness tour here where I'm starting to go, damn, their uniforms are kind of cool now. <laughs> oh, and you were the loudest voice oh, anti the Bengals uniform. <laughs> you hate the, the Bengals uniform. You are warming up to it. You made that observation at one point last year as the Bengals were starting to become a good team. All of a sudden, their uniform starts looking better. And look, ultimately, I'm a businessman. And there are certain things that really have confused me about this whole process. I mentioned the fact that two of these were unveiled on a Sunday. It's a Sunday in July. Yeah, what the? What is everybody thinking? I, I, I mean, you can drop it out of the blue on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. It's going to have a little more traction. You're going to have shows that can react in real time. More, yes, people are paying attention to social media, but that's just a very small sliver of our broader existence. It's, it's a lost opportunity. And I'll tell you this, Chris, as well. When I saw the white Bengals helmet yeah. unveiled last week, first thing I did was I tried to buy one. And you can't buy one. Folks, get your act together. And this isn't just the Bengals. This is an opportunity to sell stuff. So the day that you pull the sheet off the helmet, you better have a link to a spot where people can buy it because people will want to buy it. Well, did this, Unless like, they're trying to create some extra demand by denying us the ability to buy our Bengals white helmet, you, you should make it available. To, they do it with player jerseys. As soon as we know yeah. the guy's number, you can buy it. You should. Every one of these teams should instantly have the ability for people to buy the full size and the mini version of their new helmet. Do, do you think it like... Uh, at least what crossed my mind when I started to see it come out like this, because I, I, like you here over the last month, have been like, well, why are these coming out now? Like, what, like nobody's even paying attention to anything right now. I, I got I to gotta think that maybe this caught teams by surprise to a degree just because they changed the rule. I mean, when was the rule officially? No, no, no. Here's no? what happened. Okay. I've, I've, seen, I've seen some people suggest that. Last year, when the league decided in July, out of the blue, right. to get rid of the two-helmet rule, they, they were, it was under advisement, they were thinking about it, and then so all of a sudden, July. boom. It was last July, and teams had until the end of July to notify the NFL and get approval as to what their alternate helmet was going to be. Because you just can't say, you know, oh, bear with us. We'll, you know, they have to tell the league what it's going to be. They have to see it. They have to approve it. There's a whole process that goes into it. And then once July 31 came and went, I said to the NFL, well, who took advantage of it? And they, well, we're not going to tell you that. We're going to let the teams announce it in their own time through their own choosing. And that's what we're seeing now. So all these helmets that are being unveiled this July were actually conceived and approved of last July. Oh, wow. So, so this has been in the hopper for a while. I don't know why there's, there's this timing now that this is the week when we're going to unveil all these helmets. And I assume there's been some orchestration within the NFL to get teams to do it now, maybe before camp opens. But yeah, every team should have one. There's no reason not to have the second helmet because it creates excitement, and it's only a couple of games a year, and people will buy. They will give you their money to acquire a version of that new helmet to put in their homes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's 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 one of those I think some of these are so cool. I wouldn't be shocked where 
if at some of the end of the year they start to go, well, that's what we want our uniform to be, the fan base. It, it starts to become a, a crying out. You know, like the Bengals, I could see that going that way. I like these Panthers all black, Mike. I like the all red Texans helmet a lot too, just for some different ones. They were pretty pretty cool, you know. But I mean, as you know, and the one I I don't think I've seen yet, and maybe I don't know how I missed this. I don't know if I saw the Commanders alternate one. What does that look like? That's all black. Oh, it's just that all one. Black. I did see that. Okay, that's what I, I couldn't picture it. So, yeah, I like that as well. But, man, I'm really pumped about the G-Men. You know that. Going back to the, the glory days of the Giants, wearing that right there. You know, my dad, Lawrence Taylor, Joe Morris, Mark Bavaro, Harry Carson. Uh, that's what I grew up. You know, that, that, that's the one I can't wait to see when it actually gets unveiled, you know, for their two games against Washington and the Bears, I believe, are the two this year. And, hey, for all we know, there's more teams that are going to drop on Monday instead of on Sunday the news of a second helmet. And my son, the Vikings fan, because obviously I'm not, I hate all teams equally, my son is very concerned that at some point the Vikings are going to catch this crazy idea that they should have a yellow helmet. I I was thinking, if I'm thinking alternate, it's going to be yellow, right? Isn't it? That that would be because that's the color of the helmet. I mean, the the helmet that the Vikings wore was gold. Maybe it'd be like a gold, maybe like. But see, they're they're they're, they're that like for the the Bears with orange. Well, what other color are they going to have? It's yeah. either white or it's orange or black. Right. Like even though people don't have black in their color scheme, it's just let's just make it black. But you get them to do white. Maybe they could fears, do an all white helmet with like the purple Viking emblem. He fears a yellow Viking helmet. So hopefully. That won't happen. Yeah, it could be a Speaking little of yellow, too Lakerish. This is stadium up the street from me, about 100 miles, with all yellow seats. And one of the unexpected items of news that landed while we were off, a new name for Heinz Field. Now, we're not duty-bound to say the name, the new name, the company of which we had never even heard, which means it was a good investment. But Steelers fans are pissed about this because it was the one deal the one corporate naming rights deal that didn't feel like one. Soldier Field, Lambeau Field, Heinz Field, even though it was product placement, even though they paid, and they paid $2.85 million a year, which is peanuts for what these deals currently are, and they're going to make a lot more than that with their new one. But no more Heinz Field. There go the ketchup bottles. Even though Heinz is still going to sponsor the Red Zone, the new sponsor probably didn't want, you know, People are going to still call it Heinz Field anyway. If we have the big-ass ketchup bottles over the scoreboard, they're probably going to be more likely to ignore our name and call it Heinz Field. And I think a lot of people are still going to call it Heinz Field. I, I, I feel like that's what's going to happen. I mean, it's it's one of those. Yeah, you know, there, there's I, I still call, you know, MetLife Stadium. It's it's Giant Stadium. The, the hell with MetLife Stadium and any of that. I think there's a few. Soldier Field. I Unless don't even... MetLife wants to sponsor the show. Well, then, we'll then hey, MetLife come in, in and I'll call it. I will kiss your butt, MetLife, like you've never <laughs> seen before, okay? But, I mean, yeah, like Soldier Field, Soldier Field forever. It doesn't really matter. I get it. But I also, like, also want to be, like, you know, I mean, like, I understand we have nostalgic and, you know, every, every ever since Pittsburgh got into that new stadium, it's Heinz and it's been a pretty successful run. And I get that. But like, like grow up, everybody like, OK, it's a crap contract. What do you think? Like Pittsburgh's going to be like, hey, we'll we'll let them screw us over. And we'll take twenty million less a year just so we, it says Heinz. Like, get the hot here. Is Heinz gonna let me like advertise something on their bottle to where I can really underpay for it? Like, shut up, everybody, with that crap. Pay up, Heinz, if you want to be on the stadium. Other than that, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and it really is a lost opportunity. I mean, we, we are so far past the point of people wringing their hands over teams doing corporate naming rights deals. Everybody does it yeah. in every sport. And it's glaring if you are the Packers and you haven't sold naming rights to Lambeau Field or the Bears and you haven't sold naming rights to Soldier Field. Hell, even the Bengals are looking now after all these years of Paul Brown Stadium. Mike Brown, 
possibly to fund the Joe Burrow contract, is selling <laughs> yeah. naming rights to the Bengals stadium. If the Bengals are doing it, there's no reason why anyone should hold out. No, agreed. I, I don't even like the Soldier Field. I would think it's only a matter of time. They, I'm sure they can find a sponsor that you can still call it blah, blah, blah at Soldier Field or Soldier Field sponsored by blah, blah, blah. I'm sure they can figure that out the right way. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be blah, blah, blah. Bears playing in a new stadium that they build a half hour out of town. Yeah, which I'm so disappointed. It's going to be empty. Oh, I can't believe that. One of the great venues in the NFL. I mean, geez. That's what to me, one of the coolest stadiums and the coolest vibes of any any stadium in the NFL on Sunday to be downtown Chicago, the stadium be right there. You could feel the buzz in the city and now they're going to go out somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And it ain't going to be that. I know that. I remember when we were there three years ago for the first game of the season, experiencing that place and the fan base and the connection. Yes. It is astounding to me that that team has been not nearly as competitive as it should be when you consider, because it's like Pittsburgh on steroids. That's what Chicago is, because there's that same old vibe, that love of the team, that connection to the team, and the team just, all due respect, I know they have a Super Bowl, and there's several teams out there that wish they had won, but you take away the 85 Bears, and it's, it's, it's astounding to me, number one, that they've been as bad relative to other teams for all this time, and number two, that the fans there continue to flock and support and revolve their lives around this football team that frankly fails to deliver what the fans deserve. Yeah, I, it, it is. I mean, it's, it's a, it's got great history. It's a storied franchise, but I think to your point of always like being relevant, they're one of the great franchises, maybe other than Cleveland, which, you know, of course has changed hands a little bit that isn't maybe been as relevant as, as some of the other ones. I, I guess that's what we're kind of saying there. It's a little disappointing, too, because like you said, it is. I don't care who you are. You can hate the Bears all you want, all of that. It's a special, special fan base and connection between the city and that football team. There's no doubt. And I can only imagine how special it was in the mid-'80s when they were Oh, when they were making me cry when I was going to games? Yeah, they was pretty special. Pounding, <laughs> pounding Phil into the green right. cement of Giant Stadium and Soldier Field and yeah. everywhere else that had green cement instead of grass back then. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the Super Bowl champions have kicked off training camp just days after they got a giant manhole cover that they carry around on their hand and call it a ring. We'll discuss when PFT Live continues right after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Rams training camp kicked off on Sunday. Quarterback Matthew Stafford received an injection in his throwing elbow this offseason. Seen throwing passes for the first time since the Super Bowl. Here is Stafford and head coach Sean McVay talking about the franchise quarterback's progress. Yeah, it was good to get out there today. Um, you know, just kind of trying to progress back into it a little bit. Um, that was kind of what my time between OTAs and camp was, was just kind of trying to progress and get my body somewhat ready to go and continue this process as we continue camp. So it's a little bit of a you know, a, a process, but uh, just got to sit there and, and uh, go with it. He, he was a full participant today. Um, like him, you know, having as much experience as he does, we will continue to build him up. We're aware of what that pitch count is, but it didn't restrict him from being able to do anything today. Pitch count. Oh, what's the pitch count? Anytime I hear pitch count, well, that means there's a number of passes that they want to limit him to. Chris, we talked about this before. When we heard about it and broke it down in the offseason that he wasn't throwing – during the OTAs because of inflammation in the elbow and he had to have a pain-killing injection, an anti-inflammatory injection in the elbow and wasn't going to throw until camp. And Stafford himself said, we got to see how it reacts. I mean, once you get out and start using it again, it's an overuse injury. 
we've all had those from time to time. The yeah. only way to get it to heal is to quit doing the thing that aggravates it. Yeah. So did he take off enough time? Is it going to be fine or is he going to have the same old problem? He's a year older than he was. Is he going to have the same old problem that he had last year and he's going to have to fight through it like he apparently did last season? I, 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 I hear you there. And uh, Listen, I love Matthew Stafford. You know that. You know, I've been tooting his horn for a long time. He's a really damn good football player. He's been a Super Bowl quarterback without a Super Bowl team until this past year. And he showed you what he can do when he finally got on that type of team. The one thing I do worry about him going in the future, though, is the what do I, for lack you know repercussions of playing on a crappy football team for so long in Detroit and having to take a beating for your team to be competitive or stay in the game or stand in there and just get crushed constantly because we're down by seventeen and we're not that good and I have to do it. I do worry about that as far as the long term effects of his career and where he's at right now. Yeah. And yes, I mean to wait that long in the off season to have those issues with throwing, you know, that's it is concerning. I definitely going to have my eye on this. I mean, this is one of those Mike where yeah, you you hope he's rested enough and now you hope they could slowly build it up to where hey, you know, the first 2 or 3 days of camp, he warms up and throws 40 passes. And then, you know, maybe gets a day off. And then the next two, three days of camp, he warms up and we push it to, he throws it 55 passes. And you hope to progress that way to where you get no aggravation or inflammation. And you can hope to get that elbow and arm in shape the right way. And that's, you know, that's, that's all you can do at this point. You know? But I think at least he's not having pain on day one is a good sign at least. Let me just make this observation. This is a prime example of the kind of thing that because there's so much content out there where the people involved deliberately hype and shake pom-poms and everything is awesome and everything is great and this is great and that's great and isn't this great and isn't that great, you feel like a jerk if you point something like this out because – it's hard not to feel like we should be swept up in this tidal wave of all oh, the Rams are just going to repeat and everything is fine and Matthew Stafford's back. Well, this is a real concern. If this elbow becomes – the guy didn't throw in the offseason because of it. So I, I know that there are going to be certain folks that are wired to be glass half full, and I'm not saying you should be glass half empty. I'm saying let's assess the glass for exactly yeah, what's in right, the glass. Right. That's what we try to do. Yeah, I think that's, exa- that's fair, and it's, it's fair to have, I think, those questions. And damn, I mean, out of all the teams to win a Super Bowl here in recent history, they're certainly not going to be the team that I'm just going to pencil in and go, well, I think they're going to repeat. You know, not in that division. Damn, I'm not even sure they have the best team in their division. You know, I, I, Honestly, I think last year they were probably as a complete team, I think lesser than the 49ers, but they had Matt Stafford and one team had Jimmy Garoppolo. That, to me, was the difference between the two teams. I'm not sure the 49ers were better. So I think the Rams certainly a Super Bowl contender and all that, but you're right. Let's evaluate it for what it is. You know, They've been through some, some long off-seasons here. They're a beat-up football team. There's been a lot of distractions and contracts and all that. you got a few te- guys that are injured. Yeah, let's just, just see where it goes and evaluate it for what it is, like you said. Well, and the thing that we always point out as well, which you're not going to hear a lot of other places, this is a team that is too top-heavy with star players, and if those guys get injured, they are screwed. It's going to fall apart. It worked last year. But you suffer a key injury here, a key injury there, and you're putting in backups who maybe don't step up. They've also done a good job of developing under-the-radar talent Amazing comes in and plays. Right. But you're, that's, at some point, at some point, Chris, that's going to blow up in your face in a 17-game regular season, potentially. It didn't last year. It could this year. It's amazing it hasn't already. I mean, it really is. Because this is not just, you know, this is what, three years in a row? Four years we're like this, right, Mike? I mean, we've kind of talked about it this way. Uh, That, to me, it is one of the modern medical miracles of the NFL the last few years. The Rams, the top-heavy Rams, have not really been affected by injury. And I think, you know, I think we hit on this a little bit right before our break. I also think that's partly because of the genius of Sean McVay and how they run that organization and his ability to communicate and feel players and, ooh, how hard can I push them? Wait, today I'll push him hard in the weight room but won't push him hard in the field. Tomorrow I'll push him hard in the field and I won't push him hard in the weight room. I think he's a magic man when it comes to that. And, uh, but I'm with you, Mike. It's, it's dangerous. They're, they're playing you know, high-level stakes poker there. Also, athletic training staff, you can't overstate no. 
the importance of having folks who know how to properly gauge the body of every player. No doubt. Get them healthy. Keep them healthy. Maybe the Chargers should try to try to steal Reggie Scott away from well, the, the Rams. Rams got a guy the Chargers in, need. and Justin Long, who's uh, with me in uh, Denver as an assistant there, and he's he's top-notch. There's no doubt about it. Would be up there with one of the best trainers in football or, or weight staff trainers, I should say, that, that kind of guy. Quick break. When we return, Peter King stopped number two of his training camp tour, went to Buffalo and spoke to Josh Allen. You'll hear some of that next. Our new NFL on NBC YouTube page is live. Go to YouTube and subscribe to see all our NFL content, including interviews from Peter King's training camp tour. Here's part of his conversation with Bills quarterback and preseason MVP favorite Josh Allen. When you look at the great expectations that this team has, can that be a distraction? Do you care that everybody on God's green earth is picking you to win the Super Bowl. Does any of that stuff matter to you? None of that stuff matters to anybody on this team. Our expectations are are where they need to be. You know, we're going into the season as every season, as every team should, is our plan, our goal is to win the Super Bowl. You you fan to plow you, you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So our plan again, putting our, our standard in playoff caliber, Coach McDermott talks about it all the time. Um, again, just coming out here working, try to be the best best version of ourselves each and every day in order to try to achieve our goal and that's to win the Super Bowl. So um, our expectations are higher than what anybody else can put on us and we're going to stick to that. Isn't it kind of interesting when you come out to practice, people are screaming at you. It sort of reminds me when I was a kid of how they screamed for the Beatles, you know, when they came to the United States. How, how, do, you, how, do, you, how do you think of that? What's no, it, that like for you? There, there's one memory in my mind that like as you say, Beatles, we had just clinched a playoff berth against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and we landed at the uh, airport at the airport at 2 o'clock in the morning, 30 degrees, and there was thousands of people there. And it was literally like it, I felt like a rock star getting off like <laughs> the little plane. I put my fingers up, and everybody just went crazy. You know, we're in a golden age of quarterbacks, and we still are. Even though some are retiring, Tom Brady is still going. Aaron Rodgers is still going. And then you've got the young guys who aren't as young as they were, and we're seeing them mature. And Josh Allen's career over the next five years, Chris, is going to be fascinating to me. He's no longer a young quarterback. This is year five for him. Where is he going to take this team? Are they going to be able to – Use what happened last year in the AFC playoff loss in overtime to the Chiefs as fuel to kick it another level beyond where they got two years ago when they made it the AFC championship. And and he just seems different to me. Yeah. You know, when you don't hear guys talk all the time and it's been a break and he just he, he's got a different vibe. There's a more quiet confidence. There's a maturity. Not that he was immature. He just seems like a different guy who's kind of growing into the prime of his career, and that could be very good news for the Bills. Well, no doubt. I mean, he's special. You and I both know that. I think we're both, you know, in that, like, it's him or Mahomes are the best quarterbacks in football. A little bit like, hey, I don't know, John Madden died, and it's like the Madden ratings people got stupid. I don't know what they're doing over there, okay? Stop. Yep. Just stop Hello. it. Hello. All right. So we're back again. I'd like to say that. Uh, I will say this. As special as he is and as awesome as he is, I, I guess I'm a little surprised at how aggressive everybody is. The Bills are you know, definitely the the – the leader in the leader house or the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I guess, you know, there's some things about their team that I still want to see. I just, I think, I find it hard to say, like, I know it was the number one defense in football, but what I want to say is it really wasn't. They feasted on the poor because they're really well coached with Leslie Frazier and McDermott. But as we saw, when they played good offenses, they never really stopped them that way. They didn't stop Tennessee. You know, they didn't stop Kansas City. They didn't stop New England. You know, that was what I would tell you. So, I, I mean, even though they were the number one, I don't think they were dominant and made big plays and big moments. And then is it, like, realistic to sit there and just go that, that the Bills and Josh Allen, again, Josh Allen doesn't have the same support that Justin Herbert does, that Mahomes, that Brady, 
you know, that Joe Burrow, it, it's, it's him and Stephon Diggs, and then some other guys that we're hopeful for. I know Gabriel Davis, but he had 500 yards total the whole year last year. So can he take that step? I guess I'm just surprised that people are so, like, you know, confident in them being the Super Bowl uh, winning team or whatever. And, and i just saying I got some questions, I guess, is what I'm saying. Especially because the AFC is so yes. freaking overloaded right. with contenders. Right. There are 13 teams that you, you could look at and say – they are contenders in the AFC. Yeah. 13 out of 16, the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Jets. And even then, and when everybody's 0-0, zero and zero, you can make an argument for any of them making it to the playoffs. But the NFC is so much more wide open. We talked about the, the Cardinals earlier. Easier path for them to the playoffs. Far easier than the Bills or the Raiders or these other teams that would be better. That's the thing. If you stacked all the AFC teams against all the NFC teams, they they – it, it's a no contest, but when it comes down to one versus one, it's going to be very different. And right. that team coming out of the AFC may have nothing left Could after be. they go through the meat grinder of the postseason. No doubt. There's the, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah. Or, or that team that was the best team in the AFC, you know, gets upset by one of these damn great quarterbacks in the conference. And now the team that's really not the best gets to the Super Bowl, and you don't know what happens. But uh, the AFC is fascinating. I mean, I, I certainly we have not seen anything like this in my lifetime where there's this many great players, especially quarterbacks, on one side of the league as compared to the other, where, you know, the other side of the league has some question marks throughout where we're like, man, that's their quarterback. That's their quarterback. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? What's the future look like? And the AFC, I mean, almost through and through, we're just like, damn, they're set. They're set for a while. And we'll see where it goes. It's going to be fun to see. But, uh, yeah, Josh Allen, to me, is, is the best quarterback in the game. Case in point, Chiefs are up 21-3 over the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, Chiefs-Rams is a very different Super Bowl than Bengals-Rams. Agreed. Agreed. Right. Now you got the Chiefs in the Super Bowl with one of the best pass-protecting O-lines in the game. And then Mahomes, who, as much as I love Burrow and everything, Burrow ain't Mahomes quite yet with making magic and avoiding sacks and doing all that. Yeah, who knows? I mean, that, that's, a, that's the point right there. You know, yeah, I think in my heart of hearts that the Chiefs were probably the better team, but they had a bad spot, you know, spurt there, and the, the Bengals were hot, and Burrow took advantage of it, and they go to the Super Bowl. That's what's amazing. The 17-game regular season is just a prelude to a postseason where anything can happen, anyone can beat anyone else, and it's hard to feel good about anyone, especially in the AFC right now. I would take the field over every team in the AFC. Because there's no way to guarantee or even feel confident that anyone's going to make it through. And that's before we factor in injuries. Even if everybody's healthy, yeah. we still don't know who's going to make it through. Let's yeah. take a break. When we return, the draft returns for PFT Live. The most intriguing training camp storylines. We'll look at that when PFT Live continues right after this. Patrick Mahomes with the behind-the-back pass. I asked him last year after one of their wins when we're going to see it in a game, and they still have it in the arsenal. At the right time, he will do the behind-the-back pass. <laughs> one of these days, Patrick Mahomes he will, will throw behind right. the back. So, uh, training camp storylines. Obviously, he's doing that at training camp. What are the big storylines we're watching? Chris, we don't have a trivia question for today, so I will give you, as I always do, the first pick. Most intriguing training camp storylines go. Well, I, I think the one that there, – there are some really good ones. I think the one that's, um, that's top of the list to me is the 49ers and the quarterback situation. Just that all together, you know. Again, I don't mean to bundle it up, but, I mean, you know, Trey Lance, his development and what they do with Jimmy Garoppolo and how that unplays, yes, is fascinating to me. Yes, because of, yeah, all what they traded to get Trey Lance of the number three pick, what Jimmy Garoppolo has done for that team, the fact that he made a power play and got surgery, I think, right before he knew he was going to get traded to some team he didn't want to get traded to, you know, and then add on to the fact that, the, the 49ers are a Super Bowl team, just like we were saying last year. They're a Super Bowl team. The 49ers, there is not really a weakness on their team. And that, to me, makes it fascinating. I'm very intrigued to see where that all goes. It was odd last week that someone felt compelled to sell the idea as news that the 49ers had given Garoppolo permission to seek a trade because they had given that permission back in March, and it was news back then. So. I think they're not getting what they want. Right. I think this is going to be a mess, and I think they are ready to move on and hand the ball to Trey Lance. 
Lamar Jackson, Baltimore, will he practice without a contract? Will he get a contract? These are answers we're going to get this week as it relates to whether he practices without one. Will they be able to work this out? We went for months with Lamar not interested in doing a deal. He's been interested lately. No deal done yet. That's going to hover over the Ravens until it gets resolved, Chris. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, it, it is. It's a, it's a crazy story. Again, we, it's a guy that we know. I mean, uh, I got to think, even without knowing any details at all, that there's at least a contract on the table that's close to Kyler Murray or in that department. I, I got to think there's one there for him to be had. And it just doesn't seem like maybe he wants that yet or just not comfortable with some of the terms of it. I don't know. But the Ravens are still damn good. Like we were talking about the 49ers, a team I think we'd look at and go for Super Bowl conversation, special player. So I'm with you there, Mike. It's, it's a crazy story. It really is. Um, damn, I, don't, I didn't mean to go like QB-centric here. But, I, I mean, again, the, just the Browns. How can I not bring that up too? The Browns is the next one to me. Uh, I, you know, just like you talked about with the Ravens and, and we talked about with the 49ers and the Browns team is stacked. They're stacked. They are a team that is, again, if you told me they were, you know, going to be in the Super Bowl uh, with a normal quarterback situation, I'd go, yeah, okay, I could believe it. But I don't know what's going to happen now with Jacoby Brissett, how long Deshaun Watson will get suspended. When is that actually going to happen? You know, I will say I've gone past the point of I, I don't think he's going to get suspended for a year. I think it's going to be 10 games, somewhere in that range. I don't think it'll happen, but I'm still fascinated at how it all plays out there in Cleveland. We reported last week at PFT that the Browns are privately bracing for an eight-game suspension. Some folks in the know peg it between two and eight games. There's a real difference between the court of public opinion and the court of Judge Sue L. Robinson, the NFL ultimately presenting evidence of four accusers, not 24, and... We spent a lot of time with PFT OT during the five-week hiatus talking about that case. We're on verdict watch now. Sue Robinson's decision on Deshaun Watson can come at any time, subject to appeal to Roger Goodell, unless she issues no discipline whatsoever. Next one for me, Packers, the receivers, Christian Watson, the guy walking through the door with plenty of pressure, Sammy Watkins, free agent arrival, who steps up and fills the Devontae Adams void, and what's Aaron Rodgers' overall vibe and demeanor. We saw he's got that ornate tattoo on his forearm. And remember last year, it was his first media availability press conference of training camp where he went on and on and aired grievances about the team. That's going to be coming up this week. What's he going to say this year? How much is he going to talk about retirement? He's been saying a lot about his thoughts on retirement. Are we going to get any glimpses to whether or not this may be his last year in Green Bay? He's got that contract, but it lets him walk away, Chris, at any time. So the Packers are going to dominate because Pre-Devontae Adams, you look at him as one of the favorites. Without Devontae Adams, I don't know what to think of the pack. I, I don't either. I mean, the division helps them. I know you brought that up a few times back in the spring to where, yeah, they're going to be, you know, one of the – but I, I don't know. How good are they? How dominant are they? I don't know. And then the team that I know you and I talked about last year going, can you really win the Super Bowl just on execution and we won't mess the game up? And now you're going to miss a guy that was a huge part of that execution and you're going to depend on young guys – that aren't used to, wait for it, executing play-by-play -play in the NFL level yet. That, to me, is a big question. With you. I'm, I'm with you, Mike, there. I, I, I look at Green Bay again, as I'll say, as I did last year. They're a playoff team that's going to get overrated and talked about as a Super Bowl team because of Aaron Rodgers, but they're not. In my eyes, they are not a Super Bowl football team. Um, wow. All right, last one here. Damn, there's some good ones here left on. Um I think I'm going to just, I, I, you know, Tua is on my radar for sure. Brady and last year. But, you know, I'm going to go up the road from you a little bit. The Steelers quarterback situation. Well, Steelers, you know, I still think they view themselves as a team that can, you know, be a, be a pain in the butt in the AFC. The quarterback situation, situation has been pretty quiet. They've done a good job there. We don't, I don't hear much about who's got the edge or what's going on. But I will be interested. Just hey, number 20 pick in the draft. You gave Mitchell Jabriskie a little money. He's got talent. He was the number two pick in the draft. Uh, I'm interested to see how that plays out. And then you add Mason Rudolph into the conversation as well. I believe it's going to be Trubisky. Yeah, I do too. the first crack at it. Yeah. And then if he gets injured, enter Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Or if he just fails 
enter Kenny Pickett, but they're going to try to make it work short-term with Trubisky while they develop Pickett, especially because Pickett needs some time. He needs some time. I mean, we talked about it at length prior to the draft, how this quarterback class maybe not nearly as good as some of the ones we've seen or will see in future years. I will go with the entire Tua Tyreek situation yeah. in Miami. When you throw on top of it the item from Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, a couple of weeks ago that that raised the possibility, if it is a bad enough year in Miami, that Stephen Ross will still try to do the Sean Payton-Tom Brady combo for 2023. I thought that was dead when they hired Mike McDaniel, or or it's McDaniel Brady in 2023. But there's there's some sneaky pressure on Tua. Well, clear pressure on Tua, but sneaky pressure on Mike McDaniel, Chris. I think so, too. Um, and Tyreek Hill has done nothing to inc- to decrease the pressure on Tua. He has only increased it with everything he says on his podcast. I still think that podcast not a good idea if you're going to talk about Tua and try to pump him up. The expectations are going to be too high. The margin for error is going to be too small. And uh, we'll see. Hey, yeah, it's, yeah. it's up to Tua at this point, but there's no excuses for him in 2022. No, I, I think everything you said, is it, uh, it does. It makes it very fascinating. And then I think to also, too, what you add on to that, and I'm not saying anything you don't know here, just as the roster is damn good. I mean, forget just Tyreek Hill was added. It is, it's, it's one of the best rosters in football on paper. So that's where you look at it and go, wait, how does this play out? And, yeah, no crap Sean Payton's got his eye on that job. He's looking at those players going, damn, I'd like to coach those guys. So uh, I hear you. I think it is a sneaky year as far as for Mike McDaniel and the Tua conversation for sure. All right, we'll take a break. We'll wrap up our return edition of PFT Live right after this. Last week, the Rams got their Super Bowl rings, and I thought this was just, like, embellished. That's really what it looks like inside. <laughs> they have the scoreboard with color on it. It's not just a ring. There is all sorts of ornate stuff. They take the lid off. You see the field. Incredible ring. The only problem is, Chris, it's so big. Like, you can't wear that anywhere. Not that you would. But how could you even take that out of your house? You can't. Well, I don't know. Damn, give me one. I'll show you how it's done. I'll wear that damn thing everywhere, okay? I'll take it, please. But it is damn big, that's for sure. It's like brass knuckles. It uh, is quite a ring, and I have a feeling next year's will be even bigger, whoever wins it. We're done. See you tomorrow. See ya. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America.